In the rapidly changing world, healthcare needs are constantly evolving and clinicians need to find new ways to deliver care. And often the best way to do that is by looking back. Without Marie Curie, there would be no pioneering improvements to medical imaging today. If Edward Jenner didn't inoculate a 13-year-old with cowpox, there wouldn't even be a space for Professor Ian Fraser's cervical cancer vaccine. Our clinicians are standing on the shoulders of those who came before them, learning, growing and advancing. Hindsight isn't 2020. It's our future. As budgets tighten and the burden on the health system increases, local services need to be creative in finding new ways to deliver care. But what's the key to success in this rapidly changing environment? Improving services to meet the specific needs of their local community. As darkness descends on hospitals, the responsibility placed on after-hours staff increases as evening staff depart for their well and rest. Identifying a gap and recognising clinical deterioration during this time, Metro North Hospital and Health Service introduced new clinical leadership positions and educational programs to empower these staff. I must say I felt a bit of a fraud coming here that I really don't have a massive technological innovation or machine learning or a fancy new algorithm to present. Really, it's just a look back at the basics of how we were providing after-hours care at the Royal Brisbane Hospital, redesigning how we approach things, and I think I'd hope to show you today that we've proven that we can get great outcomes for our patients, staff and the system as a whole. So back in 2015, we kind of knew we had a problem with our after-hours care. The numbers didn't look so great with, you know, mortality versus after-hours versus in-hours admissions, length of stay. Some indicators indicated a problem. But then we talked to our staff and then I think we really found out what the problems were. Our nursing staff were telling us that acuity just didn't stop at four o'clock. You know, patients were sick, complex, around the clock. We had doctors telling us that they weren't part of a team. It was only when they were at the MERT or a medical emergency call that they really felt part of a team. Quite concerning. And that they weren't supported. The medical registrars were far too busy, couldn't provide them the advice and all the support that they needed. And similarly, our nursing staff as well. There were after-hours nurse managers around, but they were run off their feet as well, just managing staffing. They couldn't help with the clinical problems and complexity that was out there. So we decided to all get together. We had a workshop with significant consumer engagement as well, some very compelling stories um, around patients who'd stepped down out of ICU and, and other situations as well. And we decided we needed to come up with a better system. So what we had after hours back in 2016, 2015, was that we really were working in silos after hours. We had our surgical ward calls, our orthopaedic ward calls and our medical ward calls all doing their thing and talking to their registrars and occasionally coming across each other, but not really focused in a cohesive way around our more complex patients. Care was fragmented as a result. Our management was clearly quite reactive. It was really just happening at medical emergency responses uh, rather than having a proactive clinical review for our sickest patients. And unsurprising, all of this was leading to dissatisfaction and a lack of you know, vocational education training opportunities for these staff doing 
after hours work. So we wanted to do something better. We wanted to build a team. And obviously a team needs leadership. And we wanted that leadership to be senior so they had all the skills required to appropriately lead the team and look after our sick patients, the patients of concern, which I'm sure we're all familiar with in our hospital systems. Patients are becoming more complex, comorbid. We don't have a million and one ICU beds to look after them. We're looking after sicker, more complex patients in our general wards. We wanted to address the dissatisfaction. We wanted to build the capacity of our workforce, provide educational opportunities, and actually maintain vigilance on what we were doing after hours, having some governance about what we were doing. And being the Royal Brisbane Hospital, we came up with a fancy acronym, UPLATE. <laughs> I'm sure it's infectious in other hospitals as well. But we really did need to build a team and uh, build a new model of care. So we had components of a model of care and system, but it really wasn't enough to look after these patients of concern. Some more acronyms here, I'm afraid. Uh, Epicentre is our acute medical services at the Royal Brisbane Hospital. And we did have consultant cover on a seven-day basis in the mornings that could review some patients of concern that were handed over by our night registrars. But there was a lot of the clock that wasn't you know, providing proactive clinical review for these patients. At clinical level, nursing-wise, I'm sure you're all familiar, the numbers really drop off when it comes to senior nursing. And it was really focused in after-hours nurse management, which didn't have much time for clinical work. Really, it was focused on staffing, keeping the hospital running. We had handover opportunities with the team night to day and evening to night because it was actually practical and easy. We just had smaller teams. We knew who the key participants were. They could come together. Day to evening was really complex. I'm sure you're familiar about the precipitous drop in staff. How do you suddenly hand over from, you know, 100 or so medical registrars to one or two in the evening? Very challenging. So we didn't have the structures in place to have proper day to evening handover. And education was fairly limited, I'd have to say, for the staff that were managing cases after hours. It was focused on advanced life support. Less than 1% of our medical emergency calls at the Royal Brisbane Hospital are a cardiac arrest. Other clinical deterioration, we were not teaching the explicit skills recognition that we needed to better manage these patients before we get into such drastic scenarios. So we introduced a senior registrar position called the STAR. So this is a senior registrar who's general medicine or ICU training, who's present in the evening seven days a week that can carry on the care for patients of concern after that bulwark from the day. We also introduced a nurse navigation position present on the evening and the night shift seven days a week to carry on the care as well and support our nursing staff who we knew were really run off the floor and not getting the clinical support after hours. We also were lucky enough to secure a fellow position that could be focused on the educational needs that we needed to build the capacity in all our after-hours team. And we started with the ward calls. We actually turned this from a service rotation into a position where they actually got education Monday to Friday from three to four o'clock. We bring them in early and we teach them about the clinical skills recognition that they need to look after sick patients after hours. And with the team, knowing who was leading and looking after the patients of concern, We've also been able to crack the nut and have systematic day-to-evening handover in a very large tertiary institution. And, pleasingly now, we also have education around all those other clinical deterioration scenarios before we get to cardiac arrest to appropriately train our staff, make them feel confident and support our patients who need the best care that they can. 
So then the real challenge was evaluating if we got the model right and uh, if we were doing the right thing and getting some outcomes here. So I'd have to summarise it as probably taking a, a sort of mixed methods approach, looking at some qualitative indicators, surveys, etc. Some surrogates around staff wellbeing, unplanned leave, uh, which has been done in other models as well. And then the quantitative analysis was really complex. So we had some help here from OSHI, which is an external health service research organisation, looking between all these transitions of care that a patient can take and the incidence of having you know, key events such as a rapid response activation or, or MERT, as we call it at the Royal Brisbane Hospital, mortality and doing some COX survival analysis around that as well. So the surveys were really quite revealing. This is our pre-data here. Back in 2016, our consumers knew that care wasn't as timely as it could be, knew that they perhaps weren't getting the best handover, knew their cases not as, as well as they could, but they were very understanding. They were saying they're all so busy after hours, you know. But really, pleasingly, you can see post in our first survey afterwards and second one, you can see sustained improvements there that you know, our patients really did see the difference. And uh, I'll just have to promise that that comment there didn't come from a delirious patient. <laughs> they really do uh, see that things are better after hours at times. And you can understand it's so hectic and confusing during the day, having that you know, condensed team-based approach probably does give, you know, improve their perception of how they're being looked after. Nursing surveys um, have shown improvements as well with reduced stress and more fit perception of support, but perhaps not as dramatic as we'd like. And, the good thing about having the governance in our eyes after hours is that we can see the other problems that are contributing here, such as severe behavioural disturbance, occupational violence, other things that we need to address as an organisation. But when it comes to the more specific feedback, you can see they are talking about the wonderful support that the team provides them. And uh, I think we've seen some really dramatic improvements in the medical officer surveys. They actually get education now, so I think that's the big, big change there and reduce stress as well. We'd like to see it better than that, obviously, but definitely on the improvement. And they see we have better systems and handover systems in place. In terms of surrogate indicators of well-being, unplanned leave for our medical officers, 2017 was the year prior and 2018 the year after. You can see we had dramatic reductions in our ward call shifts where we had sick leave as the system embedded in term three, four and five. Quite dramatic changes there. And similarly, we saw significant reductions in the number of registrar hours of unclaimed leave, unplanned leave as well, in the post year. These are rates of medical emergency response calls or those clinical deterioration events happening for patients who are admitted in hours versus after hours, after a key event that happened during their, their admission. So a MERT after admission, a MERT after another MERT or multiple MERTs, or after they've stepped out of ICU. Probably one of the key trends here we saw was a reduction in our MERTs following a MERTs. So I think that was great comfort to us that we're doing better at a medical emergency call, managing the clinical deterioration events that we were dealing with after hours. Perhaps more concerningly, we saw a bit of a rise in our in-hours admissions. And I think that's the other great thing about having data and vigilance here as well, is that it helps us question about what we're doing, not just after hours, perhaps in hours as well, we need to improve things. In terms of mortality, similarly, we saw reductions for some of our patient of concern groups into hospital transfers and patients admitted after hours, reductions in their mortality rate, the blue is post uplate, and a little bit of a concerning trend, albeit you know, small numbers 
with the in-hours admissions. So certainly that's been a, a focus of our organisation as well. And I'm being a little bit naughty here presenting early data we will be publishing soon, but our hazard reduction ratios you can see are uh, you know, coming close to significance for mortality reductions in after-hours admissions and into hospital transfers. And pleasingly, this shows up in systems-level data as well. So I'm sure most of you are familiar with the, the hospital diagnosis standardised mortality ratio. That's the mortality indicator the Health Roundtable uses to compare between hospitals based on DRGs or diagnoses and complexity. So in our years prior to Uplate, we were doing better than expected. The expected rate would be 100, but not, not fantastic compared to some of our peers. And then the years post quite significant and sustained reductions in our HDSMR, which has been very pleasing to see. So perhaps just to wrap up there, I think with the theme of hindsight, we are very invested in coming up with smart technological solutions to things, but sometimes I think with after hours care in particular, you really just need to review the fundamentals of what you're doing, get back to basics and make sure you've got the staffing and capacity right. And if you do that, I think you really you know, can see outcomes for your patients. You wouldn't be surprised as well as to who might turn up and help you along the way. <laughs> okay, I'll wrap up there, thank you. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast and taking the time to learn about the wonderful work of Queensland's frontline clinicians. To continue the conversation, head on over to Facebook and let us know of any pockets of excellence you think deserve to be showcased. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Clinical Excellence Queensland.